You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Cocktail. <laughs> and there's nothing more determined than poultry with a plan. You're listening to another what is sure to be a dark episode of Nostalgia <laughs> Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies, either from your childhood or maybe even longer, just films you feel nostalgic about, and we ruin them. We shit all over them and look at them objectively. Sometimes we look at the, upon them with fond memories, and uh, it's a good revisit. We'll see how we feel about this one because this week we watched 2000's stop motion animated adventure comedy chicken run long time in the making yeah a ridiculously high rated movie i had no idea dude me neither well first of all this seems like one this was a success critically uh made a lot of money as well and it just seems like it's largely forgotten i don't hear people talk about this movie ever that's what I was going to say. I thought people didn't like this movie because nobody talks about it. Nobody is ever like, oh, man, like, oh, yeah, I remember Chicken Run, kind of like I remember Toy Story, but they're rated like roughly the same. They are. And yeah, I, I, I think I watched this, you know, right when it came out, I was probably like nine or ten. I probably watched this from 10 years old to 12 years old incessantly and then never again. I haven't seen this movie in like 15 years. I saw this in the theater and then uh, we had the DVD of it and I remember popping it in once when I was maybe like 12 or 13 and that must have been the last time I saw it because man, I don't remember like anything that happened in this movie and on a rewatch, man, there are some things we have to talk about. <laughs> I bought this at a movie gallery, had the old big, thick, old clamshell case, and uh, it was a movie I remember my sisters did not like for some reason. I watched this alone whenever I would rewatch Chicken Run because I think I was the only one in my family who kind of enjoyed it. I was also kind of one of the only ones who enjoyed stop-motion animation, and, and we mentioned this in an earlier episode in The Nightmare Before Christmas, which, by the way, this is actually rated higher than... So this is, I think, our highest-rated film we've ever done. That's right. It's got podcast. a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but only has a 64% audience score on the site, which I thought was kind of a okay. big difference. Yeah, so maybe maybe audiences didn't like it as much. Maybe that's why they don't talk about it. But uh, we've talked about how much we enjoy the stop motion animation. I believe this is the same guy who did Wallace and Gromit, right? It is. So Chicken Run has a 7.0 on IMDb, and it's directed by Peter Lord and Nick Park. Peter Lord also mm. co-directed The Pirates Band of Misfits. I never saw that one. Never saw uh, it. That was a couple years ago. Nick Park is the creator of Wallace and Gromit, and he, he went on to co-direct The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I, I kind of actually like that movie. Haven't seen it in a while, but I saw that one in theaters for some strange reason. That is weird. <laughs> and he uh, directed this year's Early Man, which is another one I did not get a chance to see. Yeah, I didn't either. This was actually the first feature-length film from the British studio Ardman Animation. So they went on to create Wallace and Gromit, the Were-Rabbit one, and flushed away. That was Hugh Jackman as a rat flushed down a toilet. There was Arthur Christmas, Sean the Sheep movie, Early Man, a sequel to Sean the Sheep due out next year, as well as a recently announced sequel to Chicken Run. Oh my god. I, I remember, I think out of all those movies, I probably only saw Chicken Run. I saw Flushed Away and Arthur Christmas. I did not see Sean the Sheep or Early Man. But yeah, their, their animation is, is very uh, distinct. And with Flushed Away and Arthur Christmas, they moved into the computer animation. But even that has a, a very distinct visual flair. Yeah, it's very stylistic. And I, 
I remember loving this animation and even as a child knowing the distinction of Wallace and Gromit type animations because if you were to ask me what is one cartoon you wish was your real life, the Wallace and Gromit where they go to the moon and the moon is made out of cheddar cheese, my god, take me there. <laughs> because, well, yeah, they were those guys were famous for their, their short films, which a few of which I had seen and I guess there was a big bidding war over this script and their direction. They really wanted wanted them to lead a film because DreamWorks wound up beating out studios like Disney and 20th Century Fox and Warner Brothers to help co-finance the picture because they really wanted to get into the animation game. You got to remember, this is pre-Shrek. This is pre-Shrek, Chicken Yeah. Right? So this was really after Ants, I think one of their biggest movies. I think they had The Prince of Egypt in the late 90s as well. And then I think it was this pretty much. One of their first movies. I saw Ants recently, by the way. That's an underrated film. Both of those movies, uh, Ants and Chicken Run, are on Netflix right now. So if you want to stop the podcast and watch Chicken Run to follow along with us, I highly recommend doing so, uh, especially because there are some things that uh, are pretty hard to articulate in this movie in terms of themes. Yeah, a a quick plot synopsis for those who haven't seen it. Uh, Set on a Yorkshire chicken farm in 1950s England. Of course. (laughs) What every kid wants to watch. Chicken Run uh, details the turbulent romance between Rocky the Rooster and Ginger the Chicken, both of whom yearn for freedom and begin rallying their fellow dead meat to plan a daring escape from their chicken coop prison. Wow. Dude, I, I, you know what? I was going to be patient to try and address this, but I have to bring it up right now. I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there are some very heavy overtones and sort of... Uh, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. This movie uh, reminds you of the Holocaust just a little bit. It's about a bunch of people kind of in an internment camp uh, and people, I mean, chickens, they're executed if they can't produce eggs. It's all dark, man. I, I know, know what? dude. This I know. Bad. I don't even want to finish it. It's bad. It was the first thing I noticed. The first thing I noticed actually was that the opening scene kind of reminded me of like The Great Escape or Hogan's Heroes or something like that. A lot of The Great Escape, I agree. Yeah, but then I started to notice other parallels uh, about history that I thought were just a little too dark for a children's film. Well, as we mentioned, critics loved this movie. It was actually nominated for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy at the Golden Globes that year, and there was actually a major push to get the film nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. The failure to get the nomination, people believe so, and the popularity of the film among Academy members led to the inclusion of the Best Animated Feature for the next Academy Awards in 2002, which, of course, Shrek won, also a DreamWorks property. Pretty interesting if that's true. Again, I I don't know if that's 100% true, but it would make sense because I do remember people loved the critics loved this goddamn movie i loved it as a kid and it you look back on it as an adult and you see some of the animation that is produced out of this movie and it is astounding some of the things that they're able to do especially in the year 2000 with stop animation during the production of the film 30 sets were used with 80 animators but then there was another 100 crew members one minute of film took one week to produce due to distribution rights shifting back and forth between studios currently the film has not received an hd home media release at the time of recording however zach thank god finally scheduled to hit blu-ray in january of 2019 you. I mean, about time. And I would imagine that uh, the sequel will probably come out fairly soon. Do you think people will care about that? I know you and I will care about that because... I, yeah, absolutely, I want to see a sequel to Chicken Run, but do you think other people 
will care? I don't know, dude. I genuinely don't know. And honestly, I keep racking my brain about how they make a sequel because this movie really wraps it up with a nice tidy bow. And I, I don't, I can't stomach the heartache of them being put through such another horrific ordeal again. I don't want to see these characters put through it for a second go around. Good Lord. These poor chickens. There was also a PlayStation stealth-based video game produced in 2000 that's described much like the film as a parody to the World War II film, The Great Escape. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. Escape death from farmers? Is that the plot of it? That is, yeah. again, I, I had no idea. Quite dark. <laughs> it sounds like a video game I do not want to play. No. And uh, Chicken Run, lastly, remains the highest grossing stop motion animated film ever, with a domestic haul of $106 million and $224 million worldwide. It finished 20th for the year 2000. And Zach, check this out. So to put that into context with the films we've already covered on this very podcast, it finished behind How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Dinosaur. Both episodes are available at nbd.podbean.com but came ahead of The Emperor's New Groove, Scream 3, Final Destination, Reindeer Games, and Titan AE. Holy shit, have we dipped our toes in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'd need to branch out a little bit more, but the 2000s, the 2000s were the perfect, like, check your nostalgia year. I happily contributed to all of those dollars when this movie came out. I remember they marketed the shit out of this movie. Um, the trailers were all over the place forever. I, I want to say there were toys at one of the fast food joints. There absolutely were. But I still didn't see this in theaters. I didn't catch it till home video. Yeah, I caught it in theaters and then caught it again when it came out on DVD. So uh, I was very happy that we were doing this, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. All right, let's do it, man. Immediately, right off the bat, I am so impressed with the music in this. Like, the, the theme in this is phenomenal. I love the score, which is composed by John Powell and I think Harry Gregson Williams, who still has been doing some recent stuff as well. But yeah, I love the opening score. And we're treated to a botched escape in progress where our heroine, Ginger, is caught by Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy and thrown into solitary confinement. Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy, and for the longest time, Zach, I did not know if they were brother and sister or husband and wife because they are they treat each other with such, mm -hmm. like they're strangers. <laughs> first of all, they never call each other by their first name. It's always Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy, which I found hilarious. Which I guess is kind of a British thing. I don't know, some of our British listeners might be able to fill us in on that if that was like something that was a thing in the 50s or even still today. That's true, that's true. But yeah, they seem like they hate each other or he at least admires her but she berates him non-stop i didn't know until this viewing i thought like he was just an employee like who lived on scene <laughs> like i didn't i thought he was a guy who just like kind of shows up every every once in a while but no they're they're married they are married and they operate this very small kind of poultry farm like we mentioned in yorkshire in the 1950s but it's very similar to a world war ii pow camp and that's not subtext or anything i mean it's directly right there our lead character character here, Ginger, is dressed like Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. They're hiding under floorboards in certain sequences. It's like, it's very on the nose. The coop is barbed wired all around. There's dogs, like, <laughs> circling the fence, and it's just, and even the shelters kind of look like uh, prisoner of war army barracks. It just, it's, 
it's so easy just to find the comparison to, like we said, uh, either darker tones, if you want to go there, or something like uh, Hearts War or uh, Hogan's Heroes or anything like that. So she's thrown into what is actually solitary confinement. It's like a coal pit or a coal-like dumpster or some shit. And she's stuck in there for days, and we get this opening credits montage where, where it shows kind of the daily operations of this farm, as well as the multiple failed escape missions, which she is constantly caught and continues to be thrown into solitary confinement, which I kept questioning, why don't they just kill this fucking chicken? If she's causing this much trouble, just kill this chicken. Well, I was thinking that too. I was also thinking, and it was kind of confirmed later in the film, she says this to... Uh, to Mel Gibson's character, she seems to have no problem getting out of the fence. It's everybody else, all the other chickens who are clumsy and stupid and shitty. It really lends to how much you enjoy this character. I found Ginger an awesome, you know, female lead character Mm -hmm. who's not looking to a man for permission to do all these things. She's a very gung-ho, quite uh, progressive character in the animation field, I thought. She was pretty badass. Yep, and she's also a, uh, you know, these are my people, I'm not leaving without them kind of person because Ginger is smart enough uh, to just fucking leave if she wanted to. We get a bunch of cuts of them digging under fences. They even at one point build a life-size replica of Mrs. Tweety and operate it like, you know, three kids in a trench coat style. Yeah, there's the watchdogs that are constantly searching around the, the grounds. There's a deleted scene supposedly of one of them killing the hens, but I guess they found that a little too dark. By the way, this movie's rated G. Just straight G. What? Yeah, and there's they decapitation in the first cut someone's head off in this, yeah. <laughs> They cut off a chicken's head, like, in the first ten minutes of this movie. Oh, boy. But I do truly love Mr. and Mrs. Tweety. Mrs. Tweety is an awesome villain. She is threatening, and she loves... She just takes such great joy in murdering these hens. It's not that, like, she's doing this for a job. Whenever she goes to search for which chicken to kill that day, I mean, she does it with such glee, and that's what we're treated to. It's like a, a lineup roll call. She's got a real Cruella DeVille sort of vibe going for Yes, her. absolutely. And the chickens all line up in a row, Schindler's List style, and she walks them back and forth yep. and picks the one who hasn't laid the most eggs. Because, again, there is an actual list. The list is life. And if you're names on there with a zero next to it for a certain amount of days you're getting killed so poor edwina this chicken who's just introduced is pulled grabbed by the neck and decapitated again you don't you only see the chipping block she pulls the axe out and then you see a shadow of her murdering this chicken well and this is when the audience finally gets the implications because before this it's kind of like oh the chickens just want to be free it's cute ha 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 you know they're they're there to lay eggs whatever they want to be free um and then someone fucking dies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the and the gravity of this situation just kind of settles on the audience here. Yeah, Ginger is watching and sobbing from the rooftop. Oh my <laughs> lord. They cut off my friend's head. <laughs> Luckily, she has a few best friends in there to get her through. There's Babs, uh, I think, Bunt, is it Bunty and Mac, I think? Uh, dude, don't ask me. I don't remember anybody's name in this. I remember Ginger, Babs, Fowler, and Rhodes, and that's it. And the Tweeties. The chickens have to essentially trade their eggs for items. So there's these two rats as well, Nick and Felcher, who can get basically contraband from the outside. Uh, because Hilarious. That they're used to constantly create these contraptions to try to get themselves out or, or things that they need to dig their way out or whatever. And yeah, they have to trade their eggs, but literally their eggs are their lives. So 
they trade in chicken seed for the most part, right? They were trading in chicken seed, and then just at one point, the rats just kind of turn on, and they're like, we want eggs. And instead of being like, she just essentially says they're valuable, doesn't explain to these rats, like, oh, no, we can't give you eggs because our heads get cut off if that happens. Asshole rats. Rats are assholes. Rats are assholes. I do like that one of the rats is voiced by the guy who does uh, the rat guy in Harry Potter. What's his name, dude? Uh, Timothy Spall, I believe. He's one yeah. of the, That guy always gets cast as rat-like people. Like, poor guy. You know, poor guy. He's fucking... He's great at oh, it. Oh, yeah. Man. He's a great rat guy. But due to, you know, uh, minuscule profits, Mrs. Tweedy is getting fed up with the poultry farm. They're not making enough money. And I guess this farm has been in Mr. Tweedy's family for generations. And she... <laughs> Again, just rips apart his family lineage by calling this whole thing like every one of them, every one of your predecessors have been poor and I'm done being poor. We're going to make some actual money. Yeah, insignificant. And she spots a newspaper ad that be, or a magazine ad that says, you know, are you tired of not making enough money or whatever? And it's this how to industrialize your chicken farm. And so instead of harvesting eggs, it's all about the chicken meat itself. It's kind of explained a little bit better later, but if you read really quick, you can see essentially what it does is it takes chickens and turns them into chicken pot pie. Yeah. So they're going to convert the farm into an automated production. Makes sense. Great uh, business intuition there by Mrs. Tweedy. Let's see uh, if she can get it done. There's also another intuition going on with Mr. Tweedy, where he is in this constant back and forth, wondering if he's going crazy. These chickens are pulling one over on this guy. This is some, like, hellish existential nightmare he's living, where he's constantly questioning his reality, because he's always looking at the chickens, and they're doing something devious, and then he'll turn away for a second to beg his wife to look at the same time, and then they'll be doing just normal chicken stuff. And he's convinced himself, like, oh, I'm fucking crazy, I'm losing my mind. She's like, you just have to keep telling yourself it's all in your head or i'm gonna kill you they must have <laughs> some sweet sex that's all i'm thinking i don't know dude they seem so asexual yeah, yeah that was obviously me being facetious but uh there is a shot later on though where she either squeezes his butt or pops a finger in his hiney there's a little like horn toot sound too yeah she realizes they're about to make some fucking money finally and uh i don't blame her she gets a little randy <laughs> Meanwhile, the chickens are having these detailed meetings where they all kind of gather to determine what's our next fucking step. How are we going to try to break out this week? And at this point, the chickens are fed up because they've actually lost, you know, egg time. You know, they're producing however the hell that works. I believe you don't need. I looked this up, actually, because I was confused. I didn't know if you needed a male rooster for chickens to have eggs. You do not. That's all dealt with fertilization. Mm, no, and then I realized I, I had watched Napoleon Dynamite. I should know this stuff by now. Right. Yeah. Thank you for filling us all in on the on the science well, of chickens. Well, turns out the egg comes before it. Moving on tonight. That's all for nostalgia. Be damned. That's the last episode. <laughs> We're never doing this again. Uh, have a good night. No, no. But anyway, the chickens are all kind of pissed off because one of their friends, again, Edwina, died because they're focusing too much of their time and energy on breaking out of this goddamn place than just living. But Ginger isn't satisfied with that. She wants freedom. But after her, she starts questioning everything she's doing and asks God, pretty much heaven, to help her out of the sky, Mel Gibson, Passion of the Christ's Mel Gibson, appears. Yeah, uh, man... How do you feel whenever you see, like, an old Mel Gibson movie? You know, I, I can't deny some of the fact that, that he's made some of the greatest movies. You know, Braveheart. And I, I loved Apocalypto, too, and that was a more Daddy's Home 2. Yes, Daddy's Home 2 was what, the pinnacle of 2017. 
I, yes. Oh, my God. I just, Best movie uh, ever. This one is definitely, I think, much easier to stomach because you don't see his face anyway. And he doesn't give a, a decent or pretty good vocal performance. I'll say all the vocal performances in this movie are pretty sweet. I like how they cast English actors for the most part, except for Mel Gibson, who gets made fun of a lot. There's a lot of in-jokes about his Australian accent and him being a yank. By the way, I was gonna, I was kind of thinking this in the middle of this movie because I was thinking about how Mel Gibson's the only American in it. And like I kind of wish they had just gone for a british guy personally well they needed a name i'm sure let's yeah let's draw audiences with a name and i get that but while i was thinking that i was also thinking about how i don't think there's a single person in monty python in this movie (laughs) that is very true and that's hard that's hard when you're making an english movie i i mean i thought fowler was john cleese for like two seconds and i was like no that's not john cleese i wish john cleese was in this movie i guess is what i'm getting at i like eric idle or john cleese to be in this movie Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, there could have been a few more celebrity voices, but I do like the fact that they all sound very authentic and and Cockney, some of them. I do like Fowler, who is played by a guy named Benjamin Withrow. He's great. Yeah, very good. And his character is funny. He's like a, a feisty old cock who regularly you know rattles on about his royal air force experiences and (laughs) it's pretty good but mel gibson plays rocky he's a sexy american rooster of course he's a sexy cock and he's first introduced flying over the fence and this kind of starts our whole rest of the plot here because ginger believes he can fly little does she know he can't and like is the audience ever meant to believe he can truly fly or is it kind of a supposed to be a twist to the end because let's just he can't fly all right he can't fly yeah i think you can kind of see it in his face that like every time they mention like him being like oh like we saw you flying or something he kind of like makes like a guilty face or something like that i don't know i think if you're looking at it realistically maybe kids do i could i could see if kids think that he can fly but adults should know like oh he's a rooster of course he can't fly something's got to be up when you were in theaters when it came to the end reveal were you you were you shamalan you looked at your mom and what mom what i can't remember that i couldn't remember that chickens get their heads cut off in this movie like i i wouldn't have remembered that probably because you ran out of the theater sobbing shitting your pants no probably because i thought it was the coolest fucking movie i've ever seen in my life shut up Well, everyone seems to be enamored by Rocky, dude. All these hens want it. He's so Rocky Road. Yes, Rocky Road. What a clever name. But Fowler isn't having it. He immediately starts slamming him, slamming Americans, calling him late to every war. They're overpaid, oversexed, and over here. (laughs) I mean, he's right. He's 100% right. (laughs) I do like that character a lot. Um, Yeah. But yeah, and Rocky... He's fucking pumped for all that sweet, fresh hen hooch, dude. I can't really see why he would stick around until he looks to go out the door and Ginger's kind of like begging him, like, please, you got to teach us how to fly. He has a sprained wing, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that either um, from when he fucking fell. Uh, But as he's walking out, a circus truck drives by and he realizes that uh, they're looking for him. And it turns out that Rocky was in the circus as a flying rooster, quote unquote. Yeah, he's a carny chicken. Yeah. And he was clearly looking to get away. Um, He begs for Ginger to hide him. Uh, Ginger says, as long as they teach him how to fly, if he doesn't, she'll blow him in. And uh, that just kind of sets in motion the rest of the movie. The bedrock for every good romance is blackmail. Blackmail. Yep. 
Blackmail on top of lies. But yeah, they stuff him in the floorboards in Glorious Bastard style, and the hens are begging for this cock for company. He's like, oh, where should I sleep tonight? And all of them start rushing out. Oh, right here, dude. Come and get some. I love all the animation when the chickens are doing something as like a mob. Like when they all start freaking out or fighting. The animation looks so funny because the eyes are just bulging out all over the place. And everybody's kind of screaming in high-pitched voices. Those to me are like the funniest moments in this movie. So the next morning, Rocky lays down the five Ds of dodgeball, his whole like hard work, perseverance, and hard work. He is trying to teach them how to fly, which is, <laughs> to him, I guess, a series of aerobic exercises. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, he's clearly just biding his time. And he is clearly starting to get thirsty for Ginger's sweet thighs. He's looking her up and down. There's a bit of flirting here. And when he starts giving her all these nicknames, like, he, you know, Dollface and all this stuff, I was waiting for Sugar Tits, his whole tirade <laughs> in his car. By the way, uh, sweet thighs, I, I wish we were in the same fucking room together because I'm almost certain you wrote that joke down. <laughs> It's tattooed on my forehead, dude, so it never forget. Yeah, I fucking knew it. <laughs> but again, Mr. Tweety is slowly losing his fucking mind because he w- is watching them do this stuff and he'll beg his wife every time. God, this poor guy. I know. This guy, he doesn't... I, listen, we get it. He's the antagonist. He's mean and he's killing chickens. But he doesn't deserve like half the shit that gets him in this movie. He's just a poor English chicken farmer. <laughs> but the the hens fail to make any sort of progress because they just can't fly. They're not designed to. That night, some of the new equipment right, for the farm starts showing up. The, the chickens still are not aware about what this machinery is, but Ginger's starting to sense like something's happening, something's going wrong. And in fact, is this when uh, she comes out and starts measuring the chickens for... <laughs> yeah, this is her... Yeah, Ginger's whole Soylent Green is people moment when uh, they start doubling the chickens' food rations and all of the chickens lose their fucking mind and just start eating and eating and eating. (laughs) She has to tip the crate over like, stop, you fucking psychos. Yeah, you idiots. They're trying to fatten us, fatten us up. They're trying to kill us. Yeah, they're di- something's wrong, and she can sense it. And this really just kind of puts a damper on the mood inside the barracks, inside the camp, inside the coop, whatever it is. Until Rocky throws a bomb ass party, and in class Yank tradition, once you've done a little bit of work, you gotta fucking rage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, you really gotta fuck up everything for everyone else. Uh, this. Flip Flop Fly song. Do you remember this song back when it came out? Flip Flop Fly. I don't care if I die. Yeah, dude. What do you think I masturbate to every night? Wait, who sings that? I don't know. The Baja Men? No, I have no idea. Oh, we should leave it to them. (laughs) Come on. Are you serious? You've made that joke before. Yeah, I know. And uh, apparently lesson not learned over on the other end here. Dude, god damn, man. You're mean tonight. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it tonight. Anyway, um, while they're partying and having a good time, Ginger is finally starting to lighten up a little bit, and Rocky loses his armband or his, you know, his bindings for his arm, and this is when they realize, like, oh, like, your arm is healed, you can show us how to fly, because the whole time they've been trying to figure out why they can't fly, and Ginger is convinced that if they just see Rocky do it, they'll be able to pick it up and learn how to fly. Once Rocky's arm is healed, they're like, oh, perfect. You can show us how to fly. 
Yeah, there was even a, a thrust scene because there's this character to resemble Scotty from Star Trek that always does the. Oh stuff. my god! And do they <laughs> fucking go in on this? They really do. I thought like, it was just like a brief little reference, but no, they. No, they no, no. It's subtle. It's subtle at first, and then in like the last ten minutes of this movie, boy howdy, do they fucking put it? They put pedal to the metal on the Star Trek references. So Ginger is taken in that night by Mr. Tweedy because the, he's finished the machine. And it's a chicken pie machine, and we get to see kind of the goings-on inside it. And this is a pretty cool little sequence. So Rocky winds up finding out that she has been stolen and is putting in this machine, so he races in to save her. And yeah, it's like the dough and the gravy and the mixed vegetables are all mixed inside this huge Rube Goldbergian machine as they're running through the layers and levels of it. And it's pretty Pretty clever, dude. I like this. Yeah, god damn it, I'm hungry. Uh this movie makes me <laughs> oh god, so yeah, hungry. Dude. Like chicken pot yeah, pie sounds pot so pies. good right now. Holy shit. But anyway, yeah. Uh the animation in this is stunning. The vegetables and the gravy uh, the dough, it's all very, very cool. I am very confused as to why there are so many pies being made because she tells them they're just using one chicken to as a test run, so I don't know why all this is happening inside. Well, but... maybe one chicken makes, like, several pies. <laughs> yeah, it makes, like, 70 pies, I guess. But uh, the chickens wind up falling into an oven eventually, and again... I don't want to. I don't want to bring this up, but we know there are parallels that people can make. I, I, we're gonna move on. It's it's, you know, I can't, they can't make that. Re- they can't put, like steep it so much into World War II without that reference at least crossing their minds while they were writing it. So it had to either be there in the subtext from the beginning, or someone even in the theater watching it, maybe for their children, is like, "Hang on a sec, <laughs> this is dark." Yeah, man, it is. It it and again, we don't want to get too deep into it because it's it's very dark to think about but yeah it had to have crossed someone's mind this kid 2018 can't be the first time anyone's seen this movie and not seen that parallel. maybe there are a series of you know articles and essays that have been written on the you know dark history of chicken run that we're just don't like know about but i don't know man i don't know i don't know man it's just it's it's crazy to me but and it was like the first it was the first thing I texted you about when I was watching this movie. <laughs> I know, I know. But Rocky manages to sabotage the machine, buy him some time so that the machine winds up breaking down and they're gonna learn to fly. But because Rocky's a lying dick, or lying cock rather, he bails on them in the middle of the night. The next morning, Ginger awakes to find the missing part of this poster that they had spotted earlier that had that had Rocky actually flying out. That's how they knew he was in the circus all along. And they find the missing part that, you know, fits to the bottom. It's a, There's a cannon underneath. Thrust, Scotty. Thrust. That'll give you some thrust. Captain. But, uh, yeah, everyone's heartbroken. And at this point, all hope is lost. The chickens start a fucking mosh pit, just start beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, it's pretty funny, but this is when Ginger, apparently uh, Fowler has been talking about the RAF for like years and years and years, but nobody fucking asked him what the RAF was. Yeah, and by the way, anyone who's listening, go out, reach out to a veteran. It's nice to talk to them every once in a while instead to let them, you know, ramble on about their life's history and and, and not pay attention to any of it. (laughs) She asks him, wait, what does the RAF stand for? And he's like, the Royal Air Force. She's like, but how did you fly? So he shows her a picture of the bomber that he used to fly in a crate when he was in the raf yeah he calls it a crate so that's when she gets the idea we're still gonna fly out of here 
but we're going to build a plane, which, my God, how could they possibly do this? This reminds me of A Bug's Life. I was just going to say A Bug's Life, very specifically A Bug's Life. Yeah, there's this fun little montage of them building this goddamn contraption using items from around the farm. Meanwhile, Rocky's found himself a tricycle and a radio and he makes his way across the English countryside when he spots a billboard outside Ebbing, Missouri for uh, Mrs. Tweedy's chicken pies. And he has this whole thing, oh, should I go back? Should I save them? Yep. And uh, he doesn't go back. He dies a lonely death. And that's the end of Rocky. Chicken run. What'd you think, man? Chicken run. Uh, pretty dark. <laughs> Mr. Tweedy, though, has finally finished the machine and is ordered by his wife to go get all the chickens. And this is it, dude. This is the climax. So he finally catches them in the act of building this insane <laughs> plane. They're sawing. They're using all his tools. They've stolen them earlier. And he's just like, I fucking caught you red-handed. And all these chickens decide at once to attack. And they retaliate. They jump on him. And they wind up tying him up and hiding him underneath one of their chickens. And I know it's a dark moment for Mr. Tweedy, but it's also got to be maybe the most satisfying moment of his entire fucking life uh, to know that he was right about these chickens uh, all along and his wife is a dumb loser. He's been having a Shutter Island type experience this entire movie and finally by the end of it he's vindicated, yeah. I'm glad the white guy finally won, you know? <laughs> well, we need one every once in a while, Zach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on. We've we've tried long enough. So this is the best, though. So they're all getting ready to leave. The plane is built. They've got a ramp and everything. And this pays off to, I think, I laughed the hardest at this point in the movie. She's looking back. She's like, Fowler, are you ready to go? And he's like, oh, you're all ready. And she's like, aren't you going to pilot this thing? And he's like, no, I, can, I can't pilot. I'm a chicken. <laughs> he's yeah. like, why would they? <laughs> the Royal Air Force wouldn't let chickens on a plane. Yeah, I was a mascot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so matter of fact. And he's just like, I'm a fucking chicken. Yeah, no, they would not have let me pilot, pilot this. <laughs> like, obviously. It's great. Which apparently he can do no problem. Just like just like that one time I piloted a plane. Whatever, I'll figure it out. Hey, if Harrison Ford can land them in golf courses smoothly, I can't think hey, this chicken can. Yeah, absolutely. There's this cool little chase along the the runway where they don't have enough space to hit enough, you know, trajectory to hit the ramp to clear the fence. So they have to turn around and at this point Mr. Tweedy's knocking the ramp out and Mrs. Tweedy's chasing Ginger with a fucking axe. <laughs> it's pretty intense, man. And Rocky, thank God, Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson arises from the sky again to save the day. They get the ramp up. They incapacitate uh, Mrs. Tweedy briefly. They get the ramp up. The chickens take off, and they've got like Christmas lights strung onto the back of it for a for a fake runway. But uh, they grab onto it, so they're kind of just like hanging by a thread and get onto the plane. But as does Mrs. Tweedy. This is awesome, dude. I love this fucking scene, this concept, this little take. I mean, it's a little silly and stupid to have these chickens flying this. It's like a bird-like thing that's flapping its wings up in the air. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But the woman, Mrs. Tweedy, is hanging on, <laughs> smacking into billboards and shit. She's hanging on to the, the Christmas lights. And Ginger realizes, holy shit, we got to cut this so that she doesn't bring us down. Because, again, that's they're carrying a full-grown woman. Yeah. <laughs> she goes down to, like, start cutting the, the, the wire with scissors and eventually starts biting it. And 
there's this amazing quick like cut two seconds where you believe they might have decapitated a lead character yeah they might have decapitated the lead character and shown it oh, it's <laughs> awesome yeah she swings really largely and then at the last minute you know she moves her head and she cuts the the cord i don't know how this chicken i mean i get it it's a cool reveal but this chicken's holding the full weight of a woman a full-grown woman in her hand yeah well also with keeping herself yeah it you you give it for movie magic or whatever but it it, it is just like it's one of those seconds that as an adult you're like wait what <laughs> <laughs> but it's epic as a kid i mean it's still epic yeah. i love this it's cool yeah it's a good reveal uh they drop her mrs tweedy falls into her own pie machine which blows up with a giant mushroom cloud of gravy hilarious and for a second i thought oh wow did they just kill the lead villain like that and no mr tweety opens up he's like i told you they were fucking organized yeah. and she starts screaming and he kills his wife he just drops the fucking barn door well on her. Di- did she's it happen dead. she's got i mean dead. i'd assume she's dead there but did he kill her or did the door just fall down i mean he didn't stop no, dude, it he so pushed he's kind it. of he pushed it and he walks away with with i think some happiness maybe a smile as we're pulling out I mean, I have to believe so because he's my favorite. He's my best friend, so I just have to believe that he walks away. Uh, the winner of this movie, the real oh, oh god, god. Uh, the real winner of this movie. We cut to some time later, and they've organized this dope ass chicken society where you know paradise itself. There's green grass, there's room to roam, and we get a little rat action at the end here, debating the old. What came first, the chicken or the egg? It's actually, uh, I know I I brought this up uh, before the podcast and I made it sound like it was kind of stupid, but it is kind of funny how organically they bring up the chicken and egg argument. I'll give them that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I was expecting it much earlier. There isn't actually a lot of stupid puns in this movie, nor are there pop culture references or hip music bullshit. This is a timeless movie. Yeah, they do not take the cheap laughs on this movie. They, I mean, they take a couple cheap laughs, but nothing that's pop culture-y or chicken pun. Dated. Yeah, I mean, the mice at one point start making puns kind of like the uh, the fucking Muppets uh, in the balcony. Okay, yeah. But uh, so they make a few puns, but they're funny. It's this movie. We didn't really talk about it too much, but this movie actually has some genuine laughs in it as for adults that it does. And that concludes Chicken Run, Zach. What uh, what are your thoughts? So I, I think this is a movie that. I like I said before we started, I didn't expect it to be good just because nobody talks about it, but it is. It's a it's a fantastic movie. The animation is terrific. It's well voiced. Um it's it's a cool hour and 22 minutes or something like that. It is not, you know, a slog, so the the pace of it is really good. You know, that being said, it wasn't uh, as engaging for me as an adult as I thought it was as a kid. I mean, it's not to say that I, I hated the movie. I just wouldn't put it as my favorite animated film ever. Definitely worth the rewatch as an adult if you have nostalgia for this movie and something that I would absolutely bring kids to now. My kids, not someone else's kids. Don't be weird, Brandon. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give it more of, I think... A 90. I'm not sure if it's 97. It's not one of the best animated films I've ever seen, but it is damn good. And I highly recommend that uh, you go watch it for nostalgia's sake. I wish I had seen this movie more frequently because it's a movie that 
I had a, a lot of fun with this. This is a, a strange narrative to kind of pair with a darker themed story, but they're, they really are going for something, I think, subversive. You know what I mean? Like, it's really not your typical animated feature. And for that reason alone, I think it remains one of DreamWorks' best movies by far mm-hmm. because it doesn't have a lot of that dated material. None of this feels past its prime. There aren't those ridiculous one-liners that characters are spouting off that make you groan. I think that it has a fantastic villain. I love the two characters, but Mrs. Tweedy specifically, I think, is like just a menacing <laughs> force to be reckoned with. And I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's really fast-paced and funny. So yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think it's high 80s, low 90s. I think it's a definite recommend, especially for early 2000s animated movies. This one definitely holds up. And if you haven't seen it in a while, do yourself a favor, check it out on Netflix or... If you're listening to this now and it's before January 2019, look forward to that Blu-ray release because you should check it out. It's it's good. It's so nice, too, because it's it's one of those movies that you can tell they added a lot of things for adults, but it's something that kids can still enjoy, too. It, it, I feel like so many animated movies will like throw in a naughty joke that kids won't understand for adults, but this one just kind of like hits it right in the middle. I don't think there's an unenjoyable moment for anybody in this movie. And that's typical of a lot of Ardman animation. They don't go for that low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit. They really are trying to please everyone without coming off as pandering, I think. And they and they usually do that pretty well. I think Arthur Christmas, if you're looking for a Christmas movie you haven't seen in a, in a long time or ever, is a pretty decent you know kids movie if, if you're looking for something different this holiday season. So, I mean, that's Chicken Run. I'm glad we got to watch it. Before we get into what's coming up next week, why don't you go ahead? Do you have anything to recommend this week? So, yeah, man, I've been doing that Stubbs A-list feature going as much as I can. Attaboy. So I saw three. I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet, The Front Runner, and Creed 2. Creed 2, pretty awesome. Definitely yeah, recommend. I, I enjoyed it. If you like the first Creed, I don't. I can't imagine you not enjoying this one. I think it's uh, a little more formulaic. However, I do think the performances are a bit uh, a bit better. I don't think Rocky himself has enough to do here in comparison to Creed. He's not going to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination or anything, but it's a good one. I'm okay with that. I I'm kind of over. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky, honestly. I even thought that in Creed. I was like, I'm just getting a little too much Rocky in this. I, I'm far more interested in uh, the younger Creed than I am in Rocky, so I'm okay with that. I still didn't see it, uh, despite me saying last week that I probably was going to. You should check it out, man. The, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, I think it's not quite as good as Wreck-It Ralph. It was a decent uh, Disney sequel. I think it has a great last third, but I think that middle chunk there... There's some funny bits here and there, but it really meanders, and it doesn't have, I think, the focus the first one had. The Front Runner was one of those movies I thought I was going to really enjoy. It's all right. It's it's nothing. Uh, I, I, it didn't do well in the box office in comparison to uh, what they thought it would for a limited release movie. It's a Hugh Jackman political movie, and I think it's probably just because people are fucking burnt out with politics. But it's Jason Reitman, so it's a decently directed movie, but it's one you could probably wait for home video. And the one I wanted to ask you about on Netflix, did you get a chance to check out The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? It's so funny because that's what I was going to recommend. That's what this I thought week. you it was were. One of my two recommend two recommendations this week. Uh, I am such a massive Cohen head. I like I, I think if I'm gonna list off my top five movies, there's potentially three Cohen Brothers movies just in that top five, and then maybe like five of them in the top ten. I love the Coens, um, so when this movie came out, I jumped all over it. It's in a Western anthology, and 
for anybody who follows the Coens, their last Western that they did was uh, the True Grit remake, which was fantastic. Um, this movie, it, it's it's great. It's really good. Um, there's a lot of Coen regulars that you get in there in terms of actors. Uh, some of the stories are really funny. Some of them are remarkably dark and uh, a lot of black humor in it, uh, much like any Coen film you're going to see. Um, the, a couple of the stories are stronger than others, and and uh, that Buster Scruggs uh, story in the beginning, I could watch an entire movie with that character, to be 100% honest. Yeah, me too. And it's only like, it's only like a 20-minute... It's only like a twenty-minute story, but like my God, I could watch an entire Buster Scruggs thing. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it, you know, they kind of have taken a dip lately in terms of popular movies. I know uh, we both we both love uh, the Lewin Davis movie was really good. Um, Hail Caesar, I was not a fan. Hail Caesar, yeah. not not a not a fan of Hail Caesar that much. Um, so this is kind of well, not I wouldn't say not a return to form for them. It's uh, it's good, and there's a lot of great Cohenisms that you can get out of this movie. And there's no reason not to watch it, right? On Netflix, super easy. Oh no, it's on Netflix. It's free, and it's not a super long movie. I I think it's like two hours or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it, it moves along because it's six stories or five stories. I can't remember. So I mean, it's 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 worth sitting down and watching. And then uh, the other thing I was going to recommend, another TV show, if especially if you have Amazon Prime, uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, uh, second season is coming out, I think, in like a week. Uh, it's fantastic. I've never watched it until this week because... Uh, I just, I knew this, I heard the second season was coming out and I remember it won a ton of Emmys, like a ton of them. Yeah. I had no idea what the hell it was about. (laughs) I understand why it is fucking amazing. It's, it's fantastic. It's, um, it's about a woman. It, this is, I think a little after world war two, uh, her husband divorces her out of nowhere and he's like a stand up comedian, but he's not a very good one. In fact, he steals a lot of his, uh, material and he he up and leaves her one night after a bad night on stage and instead of you know just kind of pouting around she kind of just takes life on the chin and just goes with it and it turns out she's the funnier one of the two people and so she kind of embarks on her own stand-up career and the sets are just amazing it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen especially for that period Hmm. and the act it's really funny the acting's very very good i highly recommend i think there's only like eight episodes in the first season and then season two starts december 8th uh give that a watch for sure um so those are my two recommends this week right on nice man well let's see if we'll be recommending next week's pick we're dipping our toes into some holiday fair christmas is coming and we wanted to watch a movie that had been recommended or requested several times last year We're finally getting to it. I don't know if I'm excited or I'm in fear. We're covering 1994's The Santa Claus. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm a little in fear. I uh, I don't I don't know about this movie. Yeah. Oh my God, Tim Allen. Yeah, I bet he holds up real well. Um, But but yeah, this is obviously a beloved Christmas movie. uh, One of 
uh, nostalgia favorites, I'm sure. I think a classic by some people's uh, standards. By some people's definition, but uh, Jingle All the Way was also a classic by some people's standards, and we both know how we felt about that movie, so I'm very curious to see how the Santa Claus is going to hold up. That's right, and if you don't know our thoughts on that movie, the, we have, I think, four or five Christmas episodes from last year that you can check out, including Jingle All the Way and Home Alone 2 and Reindeer Games and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and there's one other one. Zach that I am forgetting I don't even know if we did another one but maybe you're right (laughs) maybe there was only four weeks maybe I'm an asshole I don't know we're like almost 60 episodes in at this point so it's hard to say so my brain is mush yeah (laughs) yeah I yeah I've watched so many movies from my childhood that I just I can't recommend All right. Well, that's pretty much going to do it for us. Before we leave, just want to remind you, you can find us at nbd.podbean.com, which is our original hosting site. You can also find this in every episode on iTunes and a bunch of other podcasting apps. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, and you can send us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com to send us a request or ask us a question or just interact with us in any shape or form. Please just talk to me. Please, for the love of God, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. (laughs) Thank you, though, for listening. We appreciate your time. Tune in next week. And uh, the Christmas spirit, man, I'm excited. Are you excited for the holidays at all, Zach? Huh? What's your thoughts? No, I'm not excited for the holidays. (laughs) Shut up. Flip, flop, fly. I don't care if I die. Oh, man. When I get blues, don't get me rocking chair. When I get blues, don't get me rocking chair. When the blues overtake me, gonna rock on away from here. Here comes my baby flashing a new gold tooth. Here comes my baby flashing a new gold tooth. She's so small, she can run me in a payphone booth. That's the truth. <laughs> Flip, flop, fly. I don't care if I die. Flip, flop, fly. I don't care if I die.